welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 159 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 16th of July, 2017, entitled, Two Eternal Abodes, Heaven and Hell, Part 5. And the Bible reading is taken from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 8. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, if you'd like to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation chapter 21, We would like to take our reading again, first of all, that we'll be looking at some other verses as we proceed this morning. Let's read Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8 to begin with, and I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with you, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Our Father and our God, thank you, Lord, so very much that we have this privilege of being in your house, of having your word before us, of having your spirit within us. Father, we know that you know the hearts of every individual under the sound of our voice today. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to those hearts as only you can. Father, we realize that we have nothing within ourselves, but if anything is, Lord, to be, to be done that's, that's, that's worthwhile here today, it will be because of your touch, your anointing. So please, Lord, we stand in great need and we ask you to help us all for your glory and your honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. As we continued in our series on contending for the faith and looking at some of the fundamental foundational truths, doctrines that, uh, that we must stand upon, we are looking at this foundational fundamental truth that there are two eternal abodes, two places in eternity that every human being can stay, one of two places, and that is heaven and hell. Every living human being will have an eternity in one of these two abiding places. We've begun looking at this place called heaven, and we've seen a few things as we have looked there thus far these past few weeks. We've seen that heaven is not just some spiritual idea. It's not just some good thing. It is a place, a literal place. 
It is a place where God the Father dwells and resides and, and sits upon His throne. It's the place where the Son came from to this earth and, and returned back to there and is now there abiding at the right hand of God. It's the location of mine and your reservations if we belong to God today of our inheritance for all of eternity. Heaven is real. It is a place and it is a prepared place. We've seen that it is a place that is prepared by God himself, by his own hands, prepared for them that love him, the word of God said. And Jesus, going away, promised to prepare a place for you and then to come again and to receive you unto himself. Heaven is a real place that has been prepared by God himself for a prepared people. A prepared people. We looked at three main thoughts under that. First of all, that your citizenship is certain, for our conversation is in heaven. Right now, once you become a child of God, when you're born again, your citizenship is in heaven. You're a citizen of that place. And then we saw, secondly, that though your citizenship is there, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is there, but we're looking for Jesus to come back from there so that he can take us to be with him. And that there is a change that is complete. Who shall change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You see, we talked a number of things about that, but what we came to the conclusion in the end is that we could certainly describe heaven as a perfectly prepared place for a perfectly prepared people. We talked about that when he appears at the rapture, when he comes to be with us, you see, heaven is not just something that might be. There are those that think, well, this life comes to an end, and then you'll just lay down in the grave and sleep for a while, or you go to some in-between place like, like purgatory or something, or some even believe you might be reborn back again so that you can try to do better next time than you did this time. But no, heaven and hell are both a present promise. It's a promise for right now. And we looked at a number of things there, if you recall, that while we are residing at home in this body here, we're absent from the Lord. But to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. You can't leave this body and go somewhere else. As a Christian, when you leave this body, you go immediately to be with the Lord. We saw where that Paul had this desire to be in heaven, but that he realized that he was still here on this earth because it was better for others. You see, every one of us, it is a present promise. Right now, you would be better off there. Right now, you are still here only because God still has something for you to do here. You'd be better off in heaven if you didn't have something left here. You see, the truth is, is that you are here not for yourself so that life is better for you. You are here for others. And the Bible continually, over and over, teaches us to esteem others better than ourselves. We saw that as we looked into Luke chapter 16, and I said many would say that it's a parable, but folks, there is nothing there to say that's a parable. That is a record of actual events. And we find that the poor beggar Lazarus, when he, as soon as he left this life, he lifted up his eyes. He was in a place of comfort. 
in Abraham's bosom. The rich man that had had everything in this life, when he lifted up his eyes, he lifted them up being in torment. I want you to understand, heaven is real. It is a place that is prepared by God's own hand. And it's prepared for a perfectly prepared people that he is preparing now and that one day will change us into that glorious, glorious body. But right now, your soul is already saved. Your soul can't be any more saved. Your soul can't be any more righteous than it is in Jesus Christ. When you leave this body, you'll be in the presence of the Lord in heaven if you're his. You will be there with him. No, you won't have your body yet. We've seen that that vile body is going to be changed uh, at the return of the Lord, at the rapture. And then you'll have that new body with you. But in the meantime, the Bible teaches us clearly that it is a present promise for you right now. But I want to move on to something else with what little time that we have this morning. This perfectly prepared place. For this perfectly prepared people, God doing the preparing of both the place and the people, that is a present promise for each and every one of us as soon as we leave this world. I want us to look at a promising portrait. <laughs> you know, you, you, look, you look at some portraits, you look at some pictures, and they say one picture is worth a thousand words. <laughs> you look at some and they, they may be pictures of tragedies. They may be reminders of bad things or terrible things. Oftentimes in the news we, we see these pictures flash before our eyes of all these horrible events in the world that show us just how awful this place can be. But you see, I want you to just get a glimpse of the most promising portrait that you can ever have for your future. We might ask ourselves, you know, what is this place we're talking about, this heaven? What's it really like? Well, if you remember, we've already looked in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that it's not possible to adequately describe this place because the Bible says it's like nothing that we've ever seen or heard. So you need to understand before we start <laughs> that it, this portrait that we can get of heaven, this, this picture in our minds of what it's really like, is never good enough. It will always be incomplete. There will always be something missing there because... We've never seen or heard anything like it before. We also know in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that when, when Paul visited that place because he was caught up into the third heaven, we talked about the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven, he was caught up into that third heaven, which is a place where, where God dwells, where his throne is. But he said what he saw there, he was not even allowed to speak. It was beyond being allowed to speak in this earthly realm. But you see, though there are a lot of things that we cannot and never will know about heaven, the Word of God gives us this very promising picture, this promising portrait of what's awaiting us in heaven. We've already seen some of the things present there when we considered the fact that it is the place where God the Father is and where he's sitting upon his throne, where the Lord Jesus Christ is there at his right hand. We've already seen that it's where our inheritance and our, our reservation 
has been made for us, a place specifically for you as his child. But I want you to look at a few things today. And, you know, I don't mind as, as long as you don't start snoring. Just, just close your eyes and listen to God's Word. Let God give you. You know, men try to paint pictures. I, we, when we were on the outreach yesterday and one of the, the, the gentlemen that, that Brother Daniel and I had the privilege of talking to there, and, and, of course, he was talking about these pictures of Jesus with blonde hair and blue eyes and all that, and where did all that come from? And, of course, the fact is is that men can try with their imagination to, to make these pictures and draw these pictures. And I have seen pictures where men have tried to, to put onto canvas or something some kind of a portrait of what heaven is, but it's never, ever adequate and the thing is, this morning, rather than man, more than anything else, I'm just going to read some verses to you. And I want you to let God paint in your mind this promising portrait of perfection like nothing you've ever seen or nothing that you have ever heard. I want us to look, first of all, into the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Notice what he says beginning there in verse 18. He says, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. You haven't come to that place which we know is Mount Sinai here on this earth where that the Jewish people first came to. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. This is a picture of Mount Sinai and God's people there before Mount Sinai. Of course, when God made himself known and, and presented his law to those people. But notice what he says in verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. You're not at Mount Sinai. You're at Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Listen. As a believer, we don't have to come to God at the foot of Mount Sinai. We come to Mount Zion. And when we come to Mount Zion, we come to find the city of the living God. Mount Zion is the city of the living God. It is, the Bible says, not the earthly Jerusalem, but the heavenly Jerusalem. You know, the temple was built in the earthly Jerusalem for God to be present there in the temple. But he says, believers, you've come to Mount Zion. You've come to the city of the living God. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. 
He says there is an innumerable company of angels. <laughs> I know people that think that they've seen angels in this life, and I know that the Bible teaches us that we've probably all seen them and even entertained them unawares, not knowing who, knowing who they were, but part of the picture that he paints for us when we get to heaven as we come there is this innumerable. You can't even count them all. There's so many of them. This innumerable company of angels. The true church of Jesus Christ. So many times down here we try to figure out who. When you come to heaven, when you come to the new Jerusalem, you're going to see the true church. You're going to see those that truly belong to God all together in one company. If you think your mind back to some months, maybe years, whenever it was we were doing our study on the church, that called out assembly. You see here right now today we have the local assembly, the church right here that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ that's been called out of this world. But when Jesus comes back and when that trumpet sounds, and when we're called to meet him in the air, I hope that your reservation is made that you're already part of the body that's going to be called out at that time when the body of Christ, all the church, all together at one time in one place, that's when it will become a reality. People want some kind of universal church down here. The Bible only knows of a local church on this earth. But it knows of a universal church, a church, a one church, a one body that will be called out at the rapture. You want to be part of that assembly. We see here in these verses all of those people that have been perfected that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. When we get to heaven, we won't see each other in our sinful bodies anymore. We will have that glorious body. When we get there, we're going to see God, and we're going to see, we're going to see, first of all, we're going to see this place that is like nothing we've ever laid eyes on. And we're going to see this host of angels. We're going to see all the true believers, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, together, a perfected church finally, all together in one group. Find that you're also going to see something else according to these verses. You're going to see God the judge. The judge of all, he says here in these verses. But at the same time that you see God sitting there, the judge of all things, right there is Jesus Christ, the mediator. That's one that has mediated on your behalf, the one that took you there. And praise God, he says, you're going to see the blood of the Lamb, the sacrifices of all. When you get to heaven, you're going to see something like your eyes have never laid eyes on before. And we don't know what it's all going to be like. We'll get some more of the picture here in just a minute. But you see, far more than the material things that this city is made of is that when you get there, you're going to see the heavenly host. You're going to see the angels in heaven. You're going to see all the true believers, the body of Christ, the church, all those that are there together in one place at one time, unified, praise God. Not arguing over this and dividing over that, but all together for the very first time in one place at one time. There before God sitting upon his throne, the judge of everything. But oh, I think I can't even begin to comprehend 
what it's going to be like <laughs> to lay your eyes upon Jesus for the very first time. The mediator and the blood, <laughs> the sacrifice that was put there for our sins. You see, more than all the streets of gold and the things that we'll see, when you picture heaven, I want you to realize who you're going to see there. Oh, there's nothing to compare with seeing. And, 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 you know, as we look down, and we'll see some more of this, but nobody's ever able in this body. Our flesh is not able to behold the glory of God. But then we'll have that glorified body. For the first time, we'll be able to see God's glory, and we'll see what some of that entails. But I want you to realize heaven is about being where God is where the Lord Jesus Christ is there, the one that shed his blood sacrifice that made it possible for you to be there and is there as your mediator that made it possible for you to be there before God. Nothing else will get you there. That blood, that blood sacrificed, that's the only reason that you were able to get that entrance. You're going to see the heavenly host and you're going to see all true believers, yes, I look forward to seeing my loved ones again, <laughs> people that I know. And you see, I believe those things, being able to be with God and being able to be with those, it wouldn't really matter <laughs> what the physical appearance of heaven was like. I want you, first of all, to get in your mind and your heart the people you're going to be there with. You're going to be there with God in all of his triune being. You're going to be there with the heavenly hosts, with the true believers of all time, those that have gone on before you, and those that if they're not saved will still get saved. You're going to be there in heaven, and you're all going to be around the throne of God. But as you look over into Revelation chapter 21, where we began our reading this morning, the Lord himself, and I promise, I promise, wow, <laughs> I promise as time permits and as we look through this, we're going to try to pull it all together next, next Sunday, God willing. My last time with you for a while. But I want you just to realize that as we look into Revelation chapter 21 and 22, that we get this picture. And as we look at this picture, I'm just going to read through it quickly because our time has gone this morning. But I want you just, just to listen. And we'll come back next Sunday, and God willing, we'll look at just what all this. And you know what, what I've done? It doesn't, even, it doesn't make probably a whole lot of sense for somebody that's reading sermon notes and whatnot. And if I'd had time, maybe I'd have put it on the overhead. But you know how I, I divided it up in, in, into three columns on my paper. And I got the Scripture verse on the, on, on the left-hand column of what God's saying. And then I got these two columns, all the things that heaven will have and all the things that heaven won't have. Because when we begin to get this picture, the Bible tells us a lot of things that we know that won't be there that's just as important as the things that will be there. And I've made this big column of just listing the things that are going to be in heaven and the things that are not going to be there. And we'll go through some of that next week, and then we'll try to bring all this together, this, you know, the, the heaven, the place we go right now in the third heaven, but then, but then this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to be here with men on, on, on this earth, a new heaven and a new earth and all of that, and we'll try to bring all that together. But let me just read this to you this morning. Let's pick up where we left off in verse 8 there. As we find that there are those that are there and those that are not, in verse 9 it says, 
And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show ye the bride. I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And it had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The Old Testament <laughs> tribes of Israel. The New Testament foundation of the church, the twelve apostles, all brought together in one place in the New Jerusalem. And he that talked with me had a, had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the, the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof in 144 cubits according to the measure of man that is of the angel. You want to calculate that out. <laughs> Breadth, 1,500 miles. <laughs> One city. <laughs> just, just, this is just the capital of heaven, folks. <laughs> this is just the New Jerusalem. 1,500 miles that way. 1,500 miles that way. 1,500 miles that way. 1,500 miles square. The holy city. The New Jerusalem. And he goes on, and of course, he also gives us the difference there, and I wrote all this down the wall, 144 cubits, just a little thing, 216 feet that the wall measures that's around this city. But it's interesting. There's the wall there, and the wall's got these three gates on each side, 12 gates, and we find that he even tells us what those are made of here as he, as he comes down, and, and he says, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, and the second sapphire, and the third a chalcedony, and the fourth an emerald, and the fifth sardonyx, and the sixth sardius, and the seventh chrysolite, and the eighth beryl, and the ninth a topaz, the tenth chrysoprasus, and the eleventh a jacinth, and the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, Every several gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. The gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, 
but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there was the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the truth were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light. They shall reign forever and ever. We'll come back and look at a few of these things next week, but I want to encourage you this morning. Believer, realize this is the portrait that God has given you of his promise for you. A promise that is an immediate promise right now. Whenever this, this life comes to an end, you're going to be in his presence. And I hope as we bring this, this picture together next week that you'll realize, hey, it really doesn't matter if it's out there in the third heaven or if it's in that new Jerusalem when it comes down to this earth. This perfected place that's been prepared by God himself for a perfected people that he himself has prepared. Location has nothing to do with it. It's who's there and what's there that makes all the difference. But I want you to grasp. Don't let the world deceive you. That's a promise, but please... Please listen to me. If you're here this morning, don't leave here on some kind of a hope so well yet because we're not going to see now until when I come back that the reality of the other abiding place is just as real. And as we try to compare these two things, all I want you to grasp this morning is, wow, the God that loves you, what he's got in store for you, you can't think that big. Your mind cannot overimagine the beauty of it. We'll look at some of those things again as we bring them together, but think on this morning. The place called heaven. The place where you will spend eternity with every other true believer, with every one of your family that knows the Lord Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ and God himself and the heavenly host. That's where you're going to be for all of eternity. But if you're here today, and if you don't know that reality, then may I say to you, and I don't mean it in a nasty way, but you're a fool to walk through those doors not knowing today. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, if you believe there's a God, and you believe that what we're talking about is real, and if you believe, just like the very first sight that we've got of heaven, that we see Jesus Christ there with the blood of the sacrifice there, if you don't know that that blood of that sacrifice has been applied to your heart, then it's a pretty foolish thing to walk through those doors not knowing that. Why would you want to do that? Today, you can know. You can know. Not because you deserve it. Not because you can earn it but because you can humble yourself before a holy God and say, yes, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, and I believe that he paid for my sin. God, please forgive me. Based on the merits of Jesus, not on me. We'll help you. 
We'll help you. We'll show you in God's Word. We'll pray with you if you want, but you're the only one that can make that choice. And Christians, this ought to fill your heart with such joy. Listen, I've said it many, many times before. <laughs> the worst thing this world can do to you is just give you a shortcut to heaven. Amen. The worst thing they can do for you is that your next breath will be in heaven and not here. And believe me, you'll never, ever, ever regret that. Father, we had this time in your word this morning. Lord, please help us. We realize that you tell us yourself that our eyes have never seen, our ears have never heard what you have in store for us. But you have given us a picture, a portrait in your word. You've described a number of the things, Lord, and I pray that you'd help us to get that in our heads and to see what it is that you tell us it's like and we can know for real that that's what you've got for us. I do pray once again, if there's anybody here today that doesn't have that, Lord, help them, please, not to have some false security would have no security, but help them to have the security that can be found in Jesus Christ. We give you the praise and thanks for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.